Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Jay Spit Down Podcast. I am your host, Jay Gay, and today I have on with me Alex Barkey, the uh, co-host of the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast, also covers uh, Boston sports for 98.5, the Sports Hub, so glad to have him on to talk about the New England Patriots and uh, where they stand this offseason going into 2023. Alex, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jay. Yeah, of course, man. So um, on that note, man, of course, the Patriots, uh, you know, offense was a huge concern for them last year uh you know it, you know they just it looked it's very dysfunctional so can you kind of just give us a little glimpse man you know you closely covered the team so just watching how they performed and what was just the the issues concerning the offense there oh man where to start we can was designed by a coach that didn't know how to design an offense. I think that's where it starts. Matt Patricia was a defensive coach for most of his career, and, you know, Bill Belichick likes to say a good football coach can coach anywhere, and I think there is some truth to that, but coaching and coordinating are two different things, right? It's one thing to know the technique and, you know, help the players get in position, things like that, but to actually design an offense takes years of experience, and there's just certain nuances you pick up, I think, over the course of doing that for 5, 10, 15 years, how long it takes these guys to become play callers. And Matt Patricia never had that. He was on the other side of the ball. And there were times that Matt Patricia and players even talked about the idea of reverse engineering an offense. And basically Matt Patricia, from a defensive point of view, knew what offenses didn't want to see, and he would bring that. And there was an element of that, but the problem is I think there were concepts he knew he didn't like seeing as a defensive coach but he didn't necessarily have the reasoning behind they were why they were successful, right? You talk about things like setup plays and shot plays where a team might run the same slant three, four times in a row to start a game, and maybe the slant never breaks, and you're like, why do they keep running this? And then all of a sudden, late in the game, that exact same look turns into a slant go, and the defense is sitting on the slant, and the receiver just breaks open downfield. It felt like the offense last year was running a lot of those shot plays, but they weren't setting them up. And that makes sense for a defensive coach who fears the shot play and doesn't want to get baited into something. That's your biggest fear as any defensive coach. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to run all these shot plays, but they didn't have the setup. You know, that was one element of it. A lot of the pre-snap stuff, the adjustments just wasn't there. Um, They tinkered with the depth charts a lot. They flipped the tackle sides before the season. They benched Kendrick Bourne, essentially, who was Mac Jones' favorite receiver. I don't think that helped. It, it was just a lot of issues compounding uh, on top of each other that led to, you know, a poorly coordinated offense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just hate that as a football fan to watch it. Very putrid. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, couldn't... you had receivers running into each other. Like, that's that's a, a very, you know, there are topics I don't even bring up there. The timing between the quarterbacks and receivers wasn't right. The, the route spacing between the different receivers wasn't there it was very much it it very much felt like they gave five guys five different routes to run rather than working route combinations together to try to create opportunities off of multiple routes so yeah there there was a lot of stuff that like you said it was it it was tough to watch at times yeah but i mean the bright side of i guess you could say was you know the running game i mean ramondre stevenson has emerged to be a great back for you guys and then you go and um you get uh, uh i believe it was um James Robinson, correct? James Robinson, yep. They yeah, from, from Jacksonville. You know, and he had some decent years there with the Jags. You know, goes to New York and then he'll do so well. But, I mean, so talk about, you know, uh, the combination of those two guys and how that could uh, help also shoulder off the load of uh, Mac Jones. 
Well, their, their whole backfield, they have some talent there because you mentioned James Robinson. Ty Montgomery comes back. He mm-hmm. suffered a shoulder injury week one last year, so we really didn't get to see him. And then they have their two back draft picks from last year, Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong. And I think a big thing they need to do this year offensively, Ramondre Stevenson had like 250 touches last year. He was top 10 in the league, and it was too much. He just And it's not to any fault of his own. That's the way the modern NFL works. You see these teams that rely on these bell cow backs, whether it be Derrick Henry or Te- in Tennessee or Ezekiel Elliott for a couple years there in Dallas, where these guys get burnt out by the end of the year, and it impacts the offense as a whole, and you saw that with Ramondre Stevenson last year. So I think Ramondre is a stud. I think he's a top 10 back in the NFL, but I almost think if he gets less carries, he can actually do more, right? Because he'll be fresher and he'll be more explosive. So the question is, how do they divvy that up? Do they take him out of the early down back role? Do they take him out of the passing down back role? The great thing about James Robinson is he can kind of fill both spots. He's a very versatile back. And the same can be said about a guy like uh, Pierre Strong, who they drafted in the fourth round last year. So to me, it's those two guys competing for that role behind Stevenson. Ty Montgomery's more of a pure passing down back. He'll compete in that sense. Kevin Harris is more of a pure early down back. I think he's kind of competing to replace Damian Harris, who they lost in free agency to the Buffalo Bills this year. But they got a lot of interesting options. Obviously, it's still going to be Stevenson's backfield, and he's going to be heavily involved because he's a stud. He's very good. But they need more behind him. They need more to kind of lessen the workload. And Robinson's an intriguing candidate. Like you said, he had a few really good years there in Jacksonville. Tore his Achilles two years ago. That's obviously a brutal, brutal injury for any yeah. running back. Yeah. He's now two years removed. So we do this with ACL tears a lot, right? Where the guy comes back, you know, misses a year, comes back. But sometimes it's not until that second year back that they really return to form off a torn ACL. Right. You see the same thing with the Achilles because if James Robinson can get back to being the guy he was in Jacksonville, yeah, him and Ramondre is going to be a lot. That's going to be a tough matchup for teams. And I don't put it past Bill O'Brien to put them both on the field at the same time, yeah. which could really create some unique matchups. Yeah, yeah. And I know they, uh, the Patriots, you know, love, they like to use those those uh, two-back sets a lot. I remember back you know, a couple years ago when they had, um, you know, uh, Garrett Blunt and James White, you know, I'm sure you remember those days, you know, um, you know, using those two back sets, you know, like they love passing the white out back. He was a matchup nightmare coming out the backfield. I remember he oh, killed, yeah. he put the dagger. I'm, I'm, I'm a Falcons fan, okay, so, oh, <laughs> um, so yeah, he put the dagger in us in '51, okay, um, you know, so I know how, very well how how um, great he he is at coming out the backfield. So they love using that. So I, I'm interested to see if they kind of go back to that. You know, uh, passing out the backfield and using those two back sets a lot. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Um, so I think they want to go back to that. The problem is, you just kind of hit on it. It's not that easy to replace James White. It's not. so freaking good yeah. right at what he did. So yeah. Ramondre was kind of in that role last year, different kind of ball carrier. Pierre Strong is, is a little James White-ish. But he, he's still young. He didn't play a lot last year as a rookie. So we don't entirely know. But he kind of does have some of that quick switch that James White has. And they, it, look, they got to find somebody for that role because that role is, is monumentally important in their offense, but it's not, not easy. You don't just find James White you know, in free agency. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, and moving on that note, man, you know, um, a lot of talk has been about, you know, hey, are the Patriots done? Are they, is it, is it over for New England? What's, what's the vibe like up there, you know, around the team? I mean, you know, heading to 2023, just some things that they are looking to build on and try to, get back to that point, you know, they're just competing, you know, for the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, 
I think really this year is a pivotal year because you were gonna you were gonna have a reset year when Tom Brady left. That was unavoidable, and mm-hmm. you pack on top of that, it was a very odd year with COVID and all that. And Cam was super fun to cover, and he said all the right <laughs> things. He was great, but yeah, it yeah. wasn't the re- it wasn't a fit. It wasn't a fit. He was done, and right. so I think everybody was kind of like, all right, Brady left. Their cap situation was a mess. They had had bad, like three bad drafts in a row. They needed a reset year. They got the reset year. Then they bring in Mac Jones, and as a rookie, he takes them to the playoffs. And I think people are like, okay, here we go. You know, maybe Bill's not going down without a fight, and they've got this team, and they've got some nice pieces in place. Mac Jones, Matthew Judon, Kyle Duggar, Kendrick Bourne had a breakout year that year. And then last year, you know, I thought it was interesting. We got to talk to Mac today at OTAs and, and ask him about what it was like working with Bill O'Brien. And one of the first things he said was, it's been normal, which, okay. that, you know, makes it sound like yeah. last year wasn't normal, which I, we talked about it at the beginning, right? I really don't think it was. So it felt like they had a ton of momentum. And then last year was just a lot. And mm-hmm. so people are kind of split now. It was last year an anomaly. And Bill Belichick made one really bad decision that, that essentially cost them to waste the season or Mac's just not that good, and 2021 was the anomaly, and they really are going to have to reset this thing again for the second time in three years, which they reset it once in 25 years leading into that, right, with Tom Brady. So I think people are split. I kind of believe it's the former. I don't know that Mac Jones is ever going to be Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or one of those guys, but I think with the right pieces around them, and they, they've started doing that. they got a real offensive coordinator. I still kind of worry about the tackle position. I'd love to see them get him a true number one, DeAndre Hopkins still available. Mm. I think with the right pieces around him, like he can be a fringe top 10 quarterback. He can be a guy you win with. They've just, they've got to get those pieces around him and he has to prove this year that last year was the anomaly. Now that everything is normal. Right, of course, yeah. Um, So you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins there. I heard the Patriots are interested in, in him. Is that is that true? Are the Patriots showing interest? Are they, you know, one of those teams that might be, might want to get DeAndre Hopkins? So I think they're interested. To what extent, it's hard to tell. You know, is it interest is in you call them and say, this is our number, take it or leave it? Or is he a guy they're willing to, you know, go to the table with and, and negotiate against other teams? And, and the right. price is going to go up, right? So I think they're interested. The question is to what extent, there were reports at the beginning of the offseason that some in the building believed it was a real priority to get a coverage dictating wide receiver, which DeAndre Hopkins still is. I know some people have soured on him. He's going to be 31. He had some injuries in, in the suspension issue. But you look at the games he played last year, you extrapolate those out to a 17-game pace, it's like 120 catches for 1,300 yards. The dude was unbelievable when he was still on the field. And even though... 30 is generally a pretty hard cutoff for receivers. You don't see a lot of receivers continue to uh, produce at an elite level at 31, 32, 33 years old. With Hopkins, though, speed's never been his game. And that's not to say he's slow, but if we were going to list off all the burner receivers in the NFL, it would be a while before we got to DeAndre Hopkins. Of course, That's not how he wins. He's more technique, route running great body control, his hands. strong hands, his hands, right, all of that. That stuff doesn't go like speed goes with age. It goes eventually, of course, but you see some of those more bigger body contested catch receivers, 
or even the route running technicians, they generally have longer careers. And I think Hawkins fits into that category. So I think he is the kind of receiver they need. I think they recognize they need that kind of receiver. The question is, are they willing to outbid a team like the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills? And I don't think it's as simple as, just using numbers I pull off the top of my head here, even round numbers, the Bills say, all right, DeAndre, we'll give you 10 million, and the Patriots say, we'll give you 10 and a half million. I don't think it's gonna be that simple. I think they have to, it's not as easy to win here right now. I think they're gonna have to actually give him a, a truly competitive offer and outbid these teams with, uh, with some effort in order to land him. And then you add the whole Bill O'Brien thing too, and they maybe didn't get along in Houston and we don't know the full story there. So it's gonna be interesting to see how it goes, but I do think that they're gonna be involved to some extent. And and they should be, they should be, because again, you need to get Mac Jones that guy. And the thing about their receiving group, everybody's dumped on their receiving group for years. And yeah, it really wasn't good a couple years ago. They've got a bunch of really good number two receivers and guys that if you can get them in one-on-one -on -one coverage, they're going to win more often than not. DeAndre, uh, uh, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne. We'll see what Tyquan Thornton becomes, but he certainly has some upside. Even Mike Gesicki is kind of a hybrid tight end receiver. They draft Kayshawn Boutte out of LSU who has tremendous upside. Yeah. Get healthy. yeah. These are all guys that if you can get them one-on-one -on -one matchups and not allow the defense to be overcomplicated against them, can be real contributing pieces in a successful NFL offense. The problem is everybody's probably playing a notch higher on the depth chart than they should, and you don't have anybody dictating coverage. And defenses can be more creative with how they defend them. You've got to bring in, and people say, well, the Patriots managed for years without a true number one receiver. They did. Well, they had Gronk. They well, had yeah, Gronk. they had Gronk. Gronk. They did have Gronk. Coverage, right? They've, if they can get a guy, not, it doesn't have to be Gronk, but a guy that can dictate coverage like that, that when teams go into the meeting on Tuesday, the defensive meeting, the first guy that gets brought up, how are we going to defend him? And DeAndre Hopkins is a guy like that. If they can bring that guy in, it's going to open up a lot for Mac Jones. It's going to open up a lot for all these other receivers, the tight ends, the backs, everybody. It's going to open up a lot for everybody. So I'd love to see him being on Hopkins. We'll see how aggressive they get. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see that as well. Uh, like in the, the Cardinals release. Uh, Hawkins, they were trying to trade him. They couldn't really find a partner because nobody really wanted to take on that cap hit of his contract. So yeah. they just released him. It made work well for both parties. They he wanted to, he wanted out. They you know they want him out. So it worked. Um, you know. So we'll see where he goes. Um, but like you said you the Patriots managed. It, they did have Grunt, but you know guys like Edelman and and Hogan and Amendola. I mean, <laughs> they killed it with those guys. So imagine like if you have. Like a court they have now, and you add a, a, that number one guy like Hopkins. I mean, right. you know, we'll see. It, it, it can, you know, be really good. Uh, but this last one, last thing here uh, for the last couple minutes of the show, man. But um, just uh, the Patriots are rookie draft class this year. What do you think about it? Um, you know, number starting off with Christian Gonzalez, and uh, how big will he be this year for the defense? Yeah, I really like their, their draft. I had Christian Gonzalez as the number one corner on my board, I had him as the fifth best player in the draft. I had him behind Stroud, uh, Young and Stroud, obviously, um, and then behind Will Anderson. And um, there's one other guy on this thing, I can't remember who it was, but that was basically it. Uh, Anthony Richardson was the other one. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. to get him where they got him, trade down and get him is outstanding. He's such a prototypical Patriots corner. Like he's built in the mold of a guy like 
you know, to go back all the way back to Ty Law and then Jarrell Revis and Stephon Gilmore. And those are lofty names. Those are three Hall of Famers. And I don't mean to put that pressure on him right away, but you watch him on the field, the size, the length, the ease in which he moves, in which he changes directions. They miss that shutdown corner. The guy that you basically put on one side, you say, he's, you know, he's going to walk down the other team's number one wide receiver and we're going to play him 10 on 10. And I think Gonzalez has the upside of that guy. So that's really exciting. I like Keon White as an upside player. I, I'm partial to guys who are recent position changers because you think about it this way, he's only been playing defensive end for three years. He's a converted tight end. And he was still a top 50 draft pick. So he's come as far in three years as some other people have come playing positions their entire lives, right? Playing the position their entire lives. Supremely physically talented. I mean, this guy, you just look at him, 6'5", 280, that's all muscle, powerful first step. His technique's not where it needs to be. He told us that on draft night, but he has all the stuff he can't coach, right? So you just got to coach him up, and they really trust their defensive line coach, Demarcus Covington, who is one of the, the rising coaches in this league right now. I like betting on Covington, certainly. So uh, Keon White's an exciting player. Marte Mapu's super interesting. They've been hesitant to really carve out a role for that athletic, like smaller athletic, three down linebacker guys like Fred Werner, Matt Milano. They've stuck more with that old school 260 pound downhill run stopping linebacker in the past. So then they draft Mapu who's 217 pounds. It's like, well, are they gonna play him in safety? Are they gonna have him rush the edge? What are they gonna do? It looked, it, we just saw one OTA today and he wasn't on the field that much because he's dealing with a shoulder injury, but it looks like they're gonna try to put him in that role, in that, you know, Matt Milano kind of role, which is, if they can make it work is exciting because they needed that guy. You know, they draft a couple offensive linemen, always good to get depth there. I, I thought City South specifically was a really interesting pick. Love the wide receivers they got. I did not think this was a good wide receiver class. I didn't think it was worth chasing a receiver in, in the second or third round because I don't think there's that much of a gap between those guys and the guys later on. And Keishon Boutte, you said you're an SEC fan, Alabama fan. We yeah. all know what that guy can do when he's Absolutely. Healthy. Very talented player. You know, he's got to stay healthy, obviously. But at, in the sixth round, not a bad swing to take because I think he does have wide receiver one upside. I had an evaluator say that if he truly maxes out, he can be a guy like a Debo Samuel. And then I really like Demario Douglas, too. Uh, just the, the speed, the explosiveness with the ball in his hands. Everybody got all excited last year seeing Marcus Jones right in those offensive packages, but they want Marcus Jones to focus on defense. Marcus Jones wants to be defensive back. He doesn't want to be a wide receiver. And I think he'll still contribute at times on offense, but they want him to be able to focus on defense, but those packages are so good. So you want to be able to run them more. Demario Douglas looks a lot like the ball in his hands with the ball in his hands, like Marcus Jones did. So I thought that pick made a ton of sense. Um, and then, you know, they grabbed a couple specialist kickers underneath to do that. Some special teams guys late. Thought they did well in the UDFA market. Malik Cunningham's going to be interesting to follow. I really like Johnny Lumpkin from Louisiana, the tight end. So I, I thought they did well. I think since Matt Groh's taken over as the director of player personnel, he has flipped their draft philosophy over for the better. They're now targeting traits. They're targeting athleticism. They're targeting the guys that have what you can't coach and then trusting their coaching staff to put these guys in the right position. I think it worked out a couple years ago. You get Mac Jones, you get Christian Barmore, Ramondre Stevenson in that draft. Last year, they had a pretty good class. Jack Jones, Marcus Jones are guys that look like this. So 
I, I think they've had another good draft year this year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I actually, I wanted Christian Gonzalez uh, at eight. Oh, Atlanta? <laughs> um, I was rooting so for them. I kept taking him in Atlanta in all my mock drafts. I never took him to the Patriots. I had him off the board first. I thought okay. Atlanta was one of the spots that made him and AJ Terrell, man. Come on, you're not throwing on that. Dude, it, no. But they made an effort to address the secondary in, in the offseason, which they done trading for Okuda, and they picked up some guys yeah. in free agency. So I understand that. And they get BJ Robinson, which is great pick there. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, man. Uh, just a uh, last little thing here. You know, what's what's the ceiling for this team in twenty twenty three? What what's the realistic goal here? So the ceiling, if they max out, right? If all the what ifs go their way, I think is ten eleven wins. I think they push for the division. Maybe they win it. Maybe they come up just short, but certainly get a wild card spot with win a playoff game. I don't know that they're Super Bowl contenders, but if everything maxes out, they should be a ten eleven win team and, and be competitive in the playoffs. Realistically, I think you're looking at right around 500 and can you sneak in the end with, you know, a nine and eight record? Can you grab the last playoff spot with that? They're going to need to flip some games people aren't expecting them to win. You know, they got the opener against Philly, two against Buffalo. They've got Kansas City on the schedule this year. They're going to have to find a way to flip one of those games. If they can do that and then take care of business elsewhere, they're going to be in pretty good shape. But their schedule's brutal this year too. That's part of it. So they, they got a lot of tough games, and you know I, I think eight nine is probably the realistic number. If you want to get into the ceiling, I think you start talking about 10, 11 wins. And you know if Mac Jones really hits his stride, and a guy like Tayshawn Boutte breaks out, or they get DeAndre Hopkins, and Christian Gonzalez is a true number one right away, then yeah, you're talking about a team that's like maybe not a contender, contender, but one step below that. Yeah. And AFC is just full of juggernauts, so it's it'll be very hard to right. to win in that in that conference. But um, I you know, if anybody can do it, man, Belichick, you know, and you know, just the Patriot way, <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. But Alex, thank you for joining us there um here on the podcast today. And tell everybody where we can find you um on your uh, podcast there. Yep. Uh, so you can find all my work, 985thesportshub.com and the Patriots Catch 22 podcast on patriots.com. I host with Evan Lazar. And you can follow me on Twitter at RealAlexPart. All right. You guys heard it there. So make sure you check them out on those platforms and check us out here on YouTube and all other podcast platforms. Thank you again, Alex. And um, you take care, man. All right. Thanks for having me. Of course. <laughs>